You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7. You're listening to the weekly wrap on a Sin 90.7. And here are your news headlines. Social media giant Facebook has lost $119 billion in market value. It is reportedly the biggest stock market wipeout in American history. SBS News presenter Lee Lin Chin announced her resignation after almost 40 years as a presenter yesterday. SBS released a statement calling her one of Australia's most recognisable and respected newsreaders. And she will deliver her last news bulletin on Sunday for SBS World News. Former One Nation adviser Sean Black has been sentenced to five years jail for raping his former wife. The advisor's sentence will be suspended after two years and three months. Greek authorities have suggested the deadly fire in Athens that destroyed a holiday resort was started deliberately. Experts have also said that the coastal town had been built with poor safety standards and few escape routes. The death toll from Monday's blaze east of the Greek capital has risen to 82 as rescuers and divers continue their search. Senior members of the Turnbull government have told the ABC that they believe the United States is prepared to bomb Iran's nuclear facilities, perhaps as early as next month, and that Australia is poised to help identify possible targets in Iran. A 14-year-old boy has been arrested after a pregnant woman was stabbed six times during a violent home invasion in Sydney's north last night. The woman was rushed to the Royal North Shore Hospital by ambulance and she remains there in a stable condition. Channel 9 and Fairfax have announced plans for a $4 billion merger that will see the name Fairfax disappear from the media landscape. Nine, which will have a 51.1% share of the merged entity, with CEO of Nine, Hugh Marks, leading the new company. The Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance Journalists' Union urged the ACCC to reject the merger proposal. Ten men who escaped a Western Australian jail during a riot, which involved pepper spray and a diversion cell fire, have been charged with escaping from custody. The Greenock Regional Prison inmates, aged from 18 to 35, were all recaptured in less than two days, alongside a 22-year-old woman who allegedly assisted one of them. The men will face court next month. That's all for your news headlines, and now we have Celine with our entertainment and sports news. Thanks, Bethany. Pop star Demi Lovato is awake and with family after being taken to a Los Angeles hospital after a suspected drug overdose. Prince Harry is carrying on Princess Diana's legacy by launching an AIDS initiative with Elton John. Tension between the royals and Thomas Markle is on the rise as Meghan's father pleads with the family, saying all they have to do is speak to me. Donald Trump's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame has been smashed to pieces by a man armed with a pickaxe. Rapper Offset is home with Cardi B and their daughter after being arrested for gun possession in Georgia on Friday. R. Kelly has released a 19-minute song in which he addresses sexual abuse claims that have brought his career to a halt. Netflix has stirred controversy after promoting the series Insatiable, which has been accused of fat-shaming. Scary Spice Mel B tells a UK talk show that all five band members will be reuniting this year despite one of the girls being a bit difficult. Singer Ariana Grande decides, decides to take a break from social media following in the footsteps of fiancé Pete Davidson, who removed all posts off of Instagram. 
on-again, off-again couple, The Weeknd and Bala Hadid, reunited again for a weekend trip in Tokyo. And it's engagement season with supermodel Carly Kloss confirming on Tuesday that she got engaged to her longtime boyfriend, Joshua Kushner. And back home, while Love Island's Taylor and Grant have called it quits, Eden shuts down rumours he and Erin have broken up, saying they are still going strong during a Q&A on Instagram stories. That's all for news in the entertainment world, and now to what's making headlines in sports. In footy news, Collingwood star Jordan Dugowie is ruled out for tomorrow night's sold-out blockbuster against Richmond, and likely for the next few weeks, due to bone stress in the lower leg. In better news, Darcy Moore is likely to, pe- to play despite his late withdrawal last week due to hamstring tightness. And Still Sidebottom and Mason Cox have also been named after various injuries throughout the week. Meanwhile, Richmond's Liam Baker is to play his first match of AFL in front of more than 90,000 fans at the MCG. Essendon tackles Sydney tonight, the Bombers get back Jake Stringer as expected, while Aaron Francis will play his first, first match of the season. Hawthorne have two big inclusions against Fremantle in Jager O'Meara, overcoming hip complaints, and Sean Burgoyne back to his first game since round 14. Concussion has sidelined North Melbourne's Ben Jacobs, with the club restricting the midfielder from training until, until his symptoms have completely disappeared. More footy, Geelong will continue its reach towards a final spot against Brisbane on Saturday, but again it will be without Harry Taylor due to a foot injury that has already sidelined him for three weeks. Hawthorne's Daniel Howe has been banned for three games for a tripping incident that left Carlton's Zach Fisher with a broken leg. Fresh from signing a new two-year deal with Carlton, Vice-Captain Patrick Cripps has revealed he never considered leaving the struggling club. Melbourne have re-signed Angus Brayshaw to a four-year contract extension that will keep him at the AFL club until the end of the 2022 season. Kyle Langford has signed a two-year extension with Essendon. And the AFL have agreed on six game-change recommendations with Chief Executive Gillan McLaughlin suggesting matches that have no bearing on the finals may be used to trial rules changes this year. To cycling now... There has been a bizarre case of mistaken identity at the Tour de France with leading rider Chris Frome crash tackled by a policeman who thought he was a protester. This came after a protest by local farmers who brought stage 16 of the Tour de France to a halt on Tuesday as bales of hay were thrown onto the road and police tear gas blew into the faces of some of the riders. And Philippe Gilbert has now withdrawn from the tour with a fractured kneecap, despite continuing on Thursday after he flew headfirst over a wall after leading the stage. And that's all with sports. And you're listening to Sin 90.7, The Weekly Wrap. I don't know about you, but politics can be pretty hard to get your head around. But whether we want it to or not, politics impacts all of our lives. So every Friday here on the Weekly Wrap, we have Sarah, Sarah, sorry, to take us through the latest from Canberra. Thanks for that intro, Bethany. Uh, This week, all of Canberra's attention is directed towards tomorrow's Super Saturday by-elections. And what exactly is a by-election? So a by-election is held when an MP resigns, quits or is ruled ineligible to be in Parliament before their three-year term is up. So voters in that MP's electorate then have to vote for who they want to fill the position. The key here is that the whole nation is not heading to the polling booths, just voters in the affected electorates, Longman, Mayo, 
Braddon, Fremantle and Perth. So why are these by-elections called? Perth's by-election is due to their recent MP, Tim Hammond's resignation, in order to spend more quality time with his family. However, the other four by-elections are the latest development in the dual citizenship crisis. It was around this time last year that the Greens' Scott Ludlam announced his resignation after discovering he was still a New Zealand citizen. This made him ineligible to sit in Parliament under Section 44 of our Constitution, which does not allow our politicians to hold citizenship of another country. This announcement led to a huge crisis as more and more politicians' eligibility came under fire, including our then-Deputy PM, Barnaby Joyce. This brings us to Independent Rebecca Sharkey, who held the seat of Mayo, and Labor politicians Josh Wilson, who represented Fremantle, Susan Lamb from the Longman electorate, and Justin Key of the Braddon seat. Turns out all four were dual citizens. The High Court found them ineligible two months ago, and they all resigned. Is the by-election to find their replacements? Yes and no. The seat of Fremantle, yes. Josh Hammond will not run in the election as he wanted to resign, so he will definitely be replaced. However, the other four MPs are all running again as they've now renounced their dual citizenship, so voters may choose to re-elect them or somebody else. And how likely are they to be re-elected? So the seats to watch are Longman, Mayo and Braddon. The Fremantle and Perth electorate are seen as safe Labor seats. Liberals aren't even running candidates there, so the Labor Party should win them back. The candidates in the three other seats, however, have a bit more of a fight. The seat of Mayo was won at the last election by Rebecca Sharkey from Nick Xenophon's party. This came as a surprise, as it was normally a safe Liberal seat. Georgia Downer will be trying to win the seat back for the Liberals tomorrow, and Nick Economou from Monash University told Sin Media that he believes she will. This would be a win for the Coalition and would boost Turnbull's majority in Parliament. The Coalition could also gain another seat in Longman, which Labor's Susan Lamb won by just 0.8% in the election. The seat of Braddon could also be close, as in the past it has swung between the two parties. So the pressure is on Labor? Exactly. Even if the Coalition bombs out tomorrow, they won't lose any seats, as none of them were theirs in the first place. Labor, defending four seats, is the party with the most to lose. Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has also been placing the pressure on Labor, pointing out that the last time the government won a by-election from the opposition was about 100 years ago. So basically, it would be a huge embarrassment if Labor were to lose these seats. And are there any other political ramifications? So the result of these elections, these by-elections, sorry, could influence when we have the actual federal election. As Nick Economou told Sin Media, if the Liberals poll well, Turnbull might be keen to call an early election while he's still popular with voters. If the coalition performs poorly, however, Turnbull might decide he needs a bit more time to convince people to vote for his party. Thank you for the update, Sarah. We'll be keeping our eye on the news tomorrow night to hear these results. And something that's been making a lot of news this week has been uh, Channel 10's announcement of their pilot week. Uh, and the announcement hasn't been received too well. So basically, uh, what Channel 10 has come out and 
Uh, they're having a week, I think it starts on a su- Sunday in August, mm-hmm. um, and they'll be debuting all these new shows. We'll get to see the pilot episode as opposed to just the TV execs seeing the pilot episode and then they choose which one. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that um, through ratings and also through people's comments on social media, um, I think they're also going to have some kind of voting system Um Viewers can choose which uh, shows they really liked and ones that do well uh, will then have a full season on Channel 10. So, sounds like a pretty great idea, Um, except that... So, there's eight shows and not a single show has one woman leading or hosting. The only... Uh, female is Anna Heinrich. She's a former Bachelor contestant, so she will be the in-show lawyer for one of the shows, um, Trial by Kyle, which has Kyle Sanderlands. But, yeah, so out of eight shows, uh, not a single leading female, and there's been quite a lot of criticism. I understand there's been a whole lot of criticism, particularly on social media, with the likes of Jane Kennedy and Kitty Flanagan from The Weekly Skit. I know, I understand that Jane posted a couple of days ago saying that she thought it was glaringly obvious that there was not one woman. You can't find one chick who is innovative, creative, funny and who has great ideas. So you can really understand that not only are they not happy that, you know, there's eight shows and they're being hosted by males, they're really upset that women didn't get a look in in this scenario. And particularly on social media, we can also see Michelle Laurie has has posted. She says she can't be bothered spending her time and energy begging for a seat at a table where I'm not valued. So you can understand that this has come as quite a shock you know, we have eight shows and we don't have a single woman. Mm-hmm. And so in response to all this criticism, TEN's Chief Content Officer Beverly McGarvey told News Limited, the reaction's probably not surprising, but we are a bit disappointed. What we were looking for in the process was ideas that we wouldn't otherwise commission. We were trying to be bold in our commissioning. McGarvey said there is more female-driven comedy to come at a later stage. So, Beth and Sarah, how do you feel about this all? Look, to be honest, I was pretty disappointed when I saw the lineup and I saw all the criticism on social media. And I think it needs to be made really clear that this isn't about saying... Um, it's not saying that these guys don't deserve these mm. shows. I'm not saying that uh, these aren't um, a great idea. I'm mm-hmm. sure that most of these shows um, are driven by a group of really intelligent, funny, innovative people who are working exactly. really hard. But what the issue is, is women make up 50% of the population. So I find it hard to believe that when you have eight shows, 50% of the population doesn't even get a look in. It's not It's not about quotas. I'm not saying that we mm-hmm. must have quotas where 50% of shows must be led by women. Personally, um, I kind of find the ideas of quotas a bit insulting. I, know I do that, as well. Yeah, because it- if I was to get a job and then I was to find out, oh, actually, it was just because we needed a female journo. So we were like, oh, I'll get that Sarah Booth chick. <laughs> no, you want to <laughs> you wanna earn it. Exactly. exactly. You want to earn your place. I want to get my place at the table because of my skills. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that there are so many women out there with skills already that I don't see how they've been overlooked like um yeah. on I know Jane Kennedy on Twitter she's been putting out a list of all the fabulous women that there are mm-hmm. um in comedy and the entertainment Hannah Gadsby Cecilia Pecola Kitty Flanagan Michelle Lowry Julia Morris M. Rusciano and Edmunds Magda Szybanski Wendy Harmer I could go on and on and exactly. I just think in today's age how can you have a lineup of tv shows that doesn't have a single woman mm-hmm. hosting or leading the show when 
half our population is female. Exactly. I think the stats might even be that like 51% of our population are female. So we really do have a lot of us out there. And exactly what you were saying before, Sarah, the shows should go to the best people out there. And by any means, we're not saying that these people aren't the best for the job, but we're just saying that we have some pretty talented women out there. And wouldn't it be nice to give them to give them the same platform that these other eight men get on Channel 10? Exactly. You're listening to the Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7. And now for a little treat for all you ABBA lovers, we have a review from Sarah of Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again. Thanks, Bethany. So, yeah, I saw Mamma Mia uh, this week and I actually really liked it. And How being... can you not, to be honest? Yeah, true. <laughs> I was in quite a while since I'd seen the first one, so mm-hmm. it was a bit fuzzy in my memory. But um, to basically just kind of give a little synopsis for anyone who maybe hasn't seen the trailers, isn't entirely sure what it's about. So it picks up about, I think it's five years from where the first movie les- left off. Yeah. Um, and it follows um, Donna's daughter, Sophie, and she's wanting to kind of renovate um, basically like this hotel that her mum always wanted to renovate but was never able to. Um, and it's just kind of follows her through the process of, opening this hotel obviously that's quite a big thing to do a little bit (laughs) Um, but then a lot of the film is actually set back in 1979 when we have a young Donna um, and it shows how after she graduates from Oxford University she goes on her adventures through Europe and that's when she meets um, all three of Sophie's dads as she refers to them all so um I, I probably should fill anyone in for you hasn't seen the first movie. <laughs> Three I dads that are wondering. <laughs> um, Tell they, us about yeah, it. So basically, um, the Donna is like travelling through Europe and she meets, in a very short amount of time, she meets three different men mm-hmm. um, and then discovers that she is pregnant <laughs> and she's not sure it could be, any of them could be the father. Yeah. And, um, yeah, in the first film is about the daughter kind of finding this out and she reaches out to all three men mm-hmm. and they kind of all become her dads. It's like this oh, really, like... I love of, it so much. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you never find out who the dad no, is? No, they decide okay. not to do, like, a DNA test or anything. They just yeah. kind of all, um, They're all decide a to be, like, a father, a father and yeah. Like, it's, it's really beautiful. That's it cute. is. So, <laughs> in some ways, this film kind of repeats a lot of what already happened because in the first film Mamma Mia it's all about um, Sophie kind of trying to track down these um, men to find out who her father is. Yeah. So we already know the story that Donna travelled through Europe and she met these three men. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. So <laughs> the film just kind of does rehash that. But it still is kind of nice to so see anyway. So still have to watch number one would you say? Like would you suggest oh, for them to watch the first Probably before? the only thing that you'd need to watch number one is just like to understand from the start about the three dads thing yeah. so otherwise you might okay. be a bit confused you'd be but like you where did these up, three come but, from because then it retells it anyway you could probably just pick it up yeah. Yeah. so I guess in some ways I don't know if that's like a strength or a negative of the movie that it does retell something that we, we heard about know. all in the mm-hmm. first movie but I think Mamma Mia it's not a film that you go to see because you want something with like twists and turns and a really no, complicated no. plot you just go to Mamma Mia when you just want to like relax and hear some great ABBA music exactly um, and so I think that's just watch what I watch a liked bit of Colin it. Firth you know yes it was just it was just fun um, probably not as great music as the first because obviously a lot of the they hits have, had exactly, already been used exactly but um, there still was I mean they still obviously like the, when they did the Mamma Mia like I loved oh, that classic. scene it was just it was just really well choreographed and just the setup and just like what's happening in terms of the plot at that time. I really liked that. It was just like a really happy, fun, like just good scene. 
Um, and then also, like, they, I think, I'm pretty sure they had Dancing Queen from memory. So How like, can you not have Dancing Queen? I feel like <laughs> so, that's the real yeah, question. So even though, like, uh, they probably didn't have, weren't able to incorporate as many hits as they did in the first film. There were still lots of hits. So I would I would recommend it. Like, it's not something that's super... Like, it's not, you know, like a complicated intellectual movie, but it's just <laughs> something that's, like, for fun. fun yeah. And just, like, uh-huh. who doesn't love a bit of an app? Like, you just go Absolutely. to see the music. It's like... I feel like it's a bit nostalgic. So, Definitely nostalgic. Um, yeah, if you've got nothing better to do this weekend, why don't you head down to the cinema and check out Mummy? Here We Go Again. You're listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7 and now we're discussing has technology gone a few steps too far? So recently we had a little look at an ABC article by Malcolm Sutton and it was about telepathic communication and how it's just a matter of time. And this really is our dilemma for a week because the article comes after research from twins in Canada. Now, although these twins do have separate brains, they're actually able to communicate thoughts. And so they're conjoined twins. Just yes, just to confirm, sorry, they're conjoined twins. And although they do have separate brains, they're able to communicate their thoughts and they're able to see or feel one another's sensory input, which actually also works even if the twins' eyes are closed. So by looking at the way these twin girls communicate, scientists are hoping to replicate this in the future. The aim would be to have technology that's basically able to mirror what another person is actually feeling, seeing, hearing. So what do we think about this, guys? Do we think it's a good thing? Do we think it's gone too far? So who is it exactly is this for? Well, I think like a lot of where the benefits for this technology Um, would lie, like, it mentions that researchers are looking at ways of developing for people who have, um, like, hearing or vision loss. Yes. That if they're able, if they're able to work out how brains kind of communicate with, um, like, these two twins' brains are communicating with each other, they'd be able to almost work out, like, the code, Mm -hmm. like, how Mm -hmm. our brains talk to each other. This is obviously very simplified, (laughs) dumbed down and watered version. Any scientists out there are probably... Very frustrating. Little foreheads <laughs> left right now. Um, but so that then they'd be able to replicate that, so that if they were to say have um, kind of digital info communicated to someone's brain, so that if someone couldn't see, they could um, transfer like cameras, basically of yeah. wands around them in a way. Yeah. So almost giving someone digital sight and hearing. That's yeah. that's my understanding from the article, and the article certainly seemed to be. Very optimistic, which surprised yes. me because I've always thought of this as like something that belongs in sci-fi. Like, of course, me too. Yeah. It doesn't sound real. Exactly, like, like it's freaky. Science has always had really grand ambitions. I mean, it like has. think about like putting a man on the moon. Yeah, like that would exactly. have sounded impossible. But um, I thought that like uh, telepathy. I thought that that was just something in sci-fi. Like I didn't yeah. realize scientists were actually like, genuinely <laughs> exactly. working on I it, and there's like no money idea. funding this. Yeah. What do we think about this? Do you think it's too far? I'm really not sure because when Sarah explained, you know, it can help those with vision and hearing loss, I'm kind of seeing the benefits. Like, wouldn't it be amazing for them to be able to experience what we have that's just so natural for us? Yeah, yeah. I definitely reckon that, like, the medical and the health benefits are great. But some other parts in the article scared me. There was a quote about just, like, you know, so... Um, where, like, a husband says to a wife, oh, I wasn't able to make it to our kids' dance recital. Can you show me? Oh, my goodness. And they can, like, show them, like, through the camera, like, embedded in them or whatever. Okay, when you put it like that, that is crazy. (laughs) And I personally, like, to me, that just seems too far. That seems too invasive. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, 
like just the privacy issues like, and everything. It's like your that. thoughts, you absorbed it. Like that's kind yeah. of crazy. And the article also mentioned that this somewhat relates to the series Black Mirror. Sarah, you've seen that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. And yeah, it definitely like reading it, I was like, ooh, this is definitely some Black Mirror <laughs> stuff right here. Um, not in terms of what is currently yeah. happening, of course, not insulting any of the researchers at the moment, but just in terms of, I guess, kind of the like potential and where this could lead us. It reminds me of some technologies you see in um, Black Mirror, which for people who don't know, so Black Mirror, it's a show on Netflix and um, it's called like uh, apparently called Black Mirror because like your phone screen is like a Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And so to it actually that, is. It's all just about kind of the darks. A lot of it is about the dark side of technology. It's definitely a series that can be quite scary to watch and like one episode that reminded me of kind of some of the technology that they're starting to hint at in this article is um there's an episode called Archangel and it's this um single mother and obviously like all parents is very protective of her child as you would be yes and she Mm. starts to worry about her child um you know what if she gets lost I can't monitor um etc etc so she enrolls her child in this trial pilot program called Archangel and Ooh. basically what it is is a chip is implanted into oh. her daughter's head. Okay. Already too far, too far for me. <laughs> yes, definitely technology gone too far there. And from then on she then basically has like a tablet and she can view everything that her daughter is seeing and hearing. Oh, everything that her gosh. daughter's experiencing she yeah. can watch on the tablet. See if this yeah. is reality. I don't know how exactly. I feel about this. Yeah and as the show goes it has huge privacy concerns yeah. as her daughter becomes a teenager. Oh my goodness. Her mom's, yeah and then also there's um, there's also kind of the issue that her mother's able to apply filters on things that she doesn't want oh her child to see. And so wow. Sarah, that's the daughter. Yeah. Um, not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, she starts to have an inability to recognise emotions in other people, like distressing emotions, because whenever someone is upset or angry, the uh, like filters in her like brain block it out. And obviously, the wow. te- this isn't quite the technology that the article was describing. Don't want to alarm anyone. <laughs> but just when they start to talk about all these things, and there was the quotes in the article about, oh, you'd be able to, like, you know, watch things that you've seen. It just reminded me of shows like this and yeah. just kind of... And I guess also the privacy issues. Like, there was an episode of Black Mirror, again, where yeah. they have a similar thing to this, where they've got, like, a um, chip in their head and they're able to rewatch. Basically, like their whole life, all their memories. They can rewatch their whole life. Oh yeah, all their memories are stored. That's and oh daunting. My and like in this episode, this one character, the protagonist, he just gets caught up in rewatching and rewatching and rewatching, and like destroys. As I can imagine. Him. That would and be also, crazy. then another issue. This isn't something the show really explores. It's like an offhand remark made by someone at a dinner party because they have like a scar on their neck, and basically they got mugged. But in this like futuristic world, mugging is people stealing. The chip. So this oh person now has access to all her memories. Oh, that's so, crazy. Yeah, so I just start to get a little bit scared it's when you hear freaky. about technology where there's going to be, yeah, the idea to, like, telepathy and knowing what we're seeing and our memories and, yeah, but probably being a bit alarmist. Don't think we're right there yet, so nobody panic. <laughs> And we've just had a tweet from Sophie Jacobson. Thank you, Sophie. Our first tweet. <laughs> <laughs> tweet of the 
tweet us at Weekly Rap SIN, everyone. And she's asked us, in regards to the Black Mirror episode, if this chip was implemented in real life, would you support it? What do you guys think? I reckon yes, because you could watch all your memories back. Like, imagine if you had the best night ever or, you know, anything. I know, moments you don't forget. Oh. Like, imagine, like, seeing your child be born yes. or something. I mean, you probably wouldn't relive the labour. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always, like, with my friends, like, oh, I wish we could go back to that night or I wish exactly. we could do that again. Like, I definitely but then get again, it. like, is the purpose of life to experience everything once? Like, True. oh, I'm kind of conflicted. Asking the big questions first. <laughs> Sarah, Asking what do you reckon? Questions. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I'm torn. It would be so amazing to relive oh. amazing memories. And then also, also, like, being able to win arguments. You know when people yes, deny that exactly. they said something? You, you can, can be like, them wrong. proof, baby, proof. Exactly. <laughs> I've got exactly. it here. <laughs> Receipts updated. <laughs> but, exactly. yeah, I think... Yeah, what's our answer to Sophie's tweet? Yes or no? Oh, I'm actually going to say no. I'm going to say yes. I think I'd say yes. (laughs) Sorry, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) And now, thanks for that tweet, Sophie. Now Mm. we'll uh, throw to Celine, who's going to be reviewing um, Ibiza. Yeah. I believe it is. Thanks, Sarah. Take it away. The movie, not the place. Yes, (laughs) no, the movie on Netflix. And so in the movie, a girl called Harper, who is played by Gillian Jacobs, is sick of her life in New York and she's sick of her job working for a PR firm. Her boss, Sarah, is horrible. Not you, Sarah. (laughs) Not this, Sarah. (laughs) You're lovely. And constantly fails to recognise her hard work, basically. But then she surprisingly tells Harper that she has to fly to Barcelona for the weekend to secure a new client, which is a major opportunity for her. And so when Harper tells her two best friends, Leah and Nikki, about the opportunity, they tell her they're coming along whether she likes it or not. And after As the friends th- do. Yeah, <laughs> I would do the same. <laughs> and after the three of them party in Spain, Harper meets a famous DJ, Leo. But before they get any chance to spend time together, he goes to Ibiza for his latest show. So Harper basically decides to pursue the DJ rather than sticking to work responsibilities. I think I'd do the same. <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched the movie when I was quite bored and I thought it was a great watch. Yeah. You know, had nothing to do. I actually found it really funny. And yeah. especially the less plot-heavy moments when it was just the three girls, I found they were really great leads in the show and I think that's what makes it such like a good movie to watch because they're like mm-hmm. they've got you to know, have a good dynamic oh, their, their relationship between like all the three of them is so good if yeah. you don't have good characters yeah. you've got nothing I think if it was probably different characters the, the movie wouldn't be as strong it wouldn't and be I as wouldn't, watchable yeah either. I wouldn't recommend it Yeah, but they made it really funny and easy to watch and yeah. lighthearted. and yeah I really enjoyed it so I think everyone should give it a good watch <laughs> and I just wanted to ask the both of you, if you could put all your responsibilities aside right now, Goals. where would you like to be in the world? Sarah? Okay, so so basically following what she did and just ditching basically, work and running after you're a Harper, DJ. What would you like okay, to do? Okay, so if I was Harper, um, I probably wouldn't chase the DJ and I think instead, it's probably a bit nerdy, <laughs> there is a bookshop in Paris that has been on my bucket list for like the past six years, basically ever since I found out about it. And I am so, so, so excited <laughs> to go there one day. It's called the Shakespeare and Company Bookshop. And it's in uh, it's in Paris. It's opposite like Notre Dame in this beautiful old monastery. And it's a it's an English language bookshop even though it's in France. Um, but why it's so special is that at night it becomes the Tumbleweed Hotel. 
And so basically it's just home to all these like backpackers and riders. Wow. And you don't pay anything to stay there. You just kind of find the owner and you're like, hey, can I stay for the night? And they're like, yeah, sure. Um, do you love do that? to earn that? Yeah. So in exchange, um, you have to work a few hours a day in the shop. I think it's two from memory. You have to read a book day. Um, and you also have to write a one-page autobiography. So this is my favourite thing in, about this place and it's one of the reasons that I really want to visit. Um, so... Every single person who stays there writes an autobiography and includes a little photo. I and love it. It's so of, cute. I know, it's adorable. <laughs> and then they all go in these binders. Um, and so the bookshop is just, I don't know if they're in the shop or maybe like the apartment upstairs, but if you stay there, you have access to them. It's just like hundreds and hundreds of binders mm-hmm. dating back to the 50s. Um, wow. Of just all these travellers who have stayed there. And just imagine all the like what a collection stories of you get to read. I know. And so I just think it would be so amazing to just yeah, go and work in this bookshop during the day and then I'd love to like stay the night and just all the amazing people you'd meet. Oh, my gosh. Sounds um, incredible. I imagine that'd be so good. Yeah, so that's, that's where I – if I was Harper, that's where I would have jetted off to. What awesome. about you, Bethany? Oh, I think if I had the option, I would go see a show in Tampa Theatre. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's in Florida. And let me just say, if you do a little web search, it is the most beautiful theatre. It's it's a spectacular sight. It has a 900 pipe organ and it actually has 99 um, bulbs like embedded into the ceiling. So it basically resembles twinkling stars. That'd be so Sounds beautiful. Seeing a show under the fake starlight but still absolutely beautiful and you know what more could you want you sit in a beautiful theater with the ceiling literally twinkling in front of you and you can watch something come to life in front of your eyes and it also screens a lot of independent films so I'd love to go there and just just stay for a whole day even and just just no, watch. that honestly sounds lovely <laughs> we get all our responsibilities oh, wouldn't it be great I love the <laughs> smell of the theater too just oh, beautiful <laughs> Now, it's almost time to wrap up the show, but before we go, we're going to give you some ways that you can survive the week ahead because, mm-hmm. let's face it, it can be difficult sometimes. It, it can be difficult. <laughs> to get through the week. So we've come up with a list of some great events that are on that mm-hmm. can hopefully keep you going and give you something to look forward to. Celine, what have you got for us this week? So I've got the National Gallery of Victoria, which presents New York's Museum of Modern Art. It displays about 130 years of modern and contemporary art. The unique collection includes masterworks by Vincent van Gogh, Paul Cezanne, Pablo Picasso, Salvador Dali, Frida Kahlo and many more. So a lot of people. Oh, so many. So many cool artists. And it ends on the 7th of October, so there is still plenty of time to go and check it out. Sounds amazing. what do you have for us? (laughs) Well, to survive next week, if you get the chance, I think you should head over to the Immigration Museum and see the amount. A Last Dancer exhibition and it's an incredible exhibition based off the life of the ballet dancer Lee Cookson. I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But the exhibition is, it's entering Melbourne for the first time and you get to see pictures, interviews, costumes and artefacts from Lee's life and Lee also made special, like special kites specifically for this exhibition. So if you're interested in that and you're interested in dance like myself, you can head to museumsvictoria.com.au 
au forward slash immigration museum and get your fixer right over there. Sarah, what do you have for us? So if anybody's looking for something a little bit different, why don't you head down to Wonderland Late Nights? So it's at Acme um, and since April, Acme's been home to Wonderland, which is an interactive exhibition on Alice in Wonderland. Ooh. And I've heard that when you enter, you have to like choose which door. I love through. it. I love it already. Which size? <laughs> yeah, like which size um, is best for you? Like how you've got all the different sizes oh of like gosh, the bottles and that. the food. I know. It sounds amazing. And um, Friday nights are extra special. So on the last Friday of every month, you can explore the exhibition late at night while enjoying live performances from a wide range of bands and DJs. So the event kicks off at 6pm tonight, so still got to be a time. (laughs) Get uh, down there. (laughs) With Paul Gorey, Marcus and Isaac and Satsuma all performing. Uh, For more information, just head to Acme's website. So that's A-C-M-I. Yeah, just head down to Acme's website and... Hopefully one of these three things will be able to get you through the week. Get you through the troubles. Let's hope. (laughs) Absolutely. So so that brings us to the end of the show. This has been the Weekly Wrap with myself, Sarah Booth, Bethany Hayes and Celine Farah. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7.